Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Addiction and Recovery. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and we are joined by a guest I am very much interested in talking to about her story, and we have Chelsea Cahoon with me. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, your story of sobriety is is unique, and a lot of times when I have people I invite guest speakers to talk and share their sobriety and recovery story. It comes from a place of addiction, but yours is different. Can you share a little bit about of where your sobriety story comes from? Absolutely. Um, so it definitely is different because I've never actually struggled with anything. I actually just chose the sober lifestyle at a very young age. I knew that I never wanted to use drugs or alcohol. Um, and I think that a lot of it is because of dare. I wish I had my, oh, here it is. <laughs> my little dare lion. Uh, I don't no know if you that or not, but yeah. I still have the dare lion from fifth grade. Um, so I actually won an essay in fifth grade in regards to no drinking and um, not doing drugs. And I guess that just kind of stuck with me my whole life. And now I'm known as the sober raver and the rave community because I attend festivals and events completely sober. And I just try to show people that uh, you can literally have fun by getting high off of things that aren't substances. And that's where my shirt says music is the drug because music is literally my favorite drug. So that is it's crazy because, um, you know, dare gets a bad rap, but here you are saying how <laughs> helpful it was to you. I mean, have you, I'm sure you've heard that before, right? Yes, I have. And I actually didn't even realize that dare was probably an influence until a few years ago. My grandmother was like, did you ever think about that? And I was like, no, but you're right. Because I actually got to read a whole speech in front of the fifth grade uh, student body about how we shouldn't do drugs or drink. And I'm like, yeah, that probably stuck with me. So, you know, I was like, what, 12, then 11, and now I'm 28, still haven't ever tried anything. That And that's where I was really excited to have you on the, the podcast because, you know, so much of the stories of people of, you know, addiction, impacted by addiction, recovery comes from those stories. And there's a lot of people who are impacted by it, but they've chosen to not use very early on. And I, I think they get almost like the lost child in the family where they are neglected, but that's not an easy thing to do, but it also just kind of goes unnoticed. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that it's important for people like me to talk about this kind of thing. Cause there's a lot of people out there that haven't tried anything and they just, I don't know. There's a lot of people that just don't want to talk about this, but I think it's important to show that, you know, you literally can go your whole life without it and it's hard people will pressure you your whole life, but I think you should just always stay true to who you are and never let anyone influence you. And that's a whole other thing that I am an advocate for is no pressure. So what kind of reactions have you gotten from people when you share that story of I've never used, I've never done anything. Do you have people that think you're full of it? Do you have people who question it? Like what, what reactions do you get? Yeah. So it's always mixed reactions everywhere. I like to say there's always one rotten egg and a hundred, you know, good eggs. So basically meaning I usually get positive feedback. I usually get love. Um, people say, that's awesome. That's cool. I wish I could be like that. But then you have one person that's like, you're fake. You're not telling the truth. I'm sure you've done this. There's no way you went to a party school. Cause I went to a college that was a party school. There's no way that you went your whole life without it. And then there's some people saying that like, 
I'm judgmental and I'm just think that I'm better than everybody else. So there's always going to be negative people no matter what, but those are the people that allow me to just become stronger and keep going and share my truth, which is no judgment, just showing my truth that you don't have to have anything. And if you want to do things, you need to be very careful, but know your limits and don't ever do it. And obviously don't do drugs that are super bad for you. And I think one of the other, as we've talked about your story, what is stands out about it too, is there are a lot of people who they choose not to, and they sort of don't want any part of like the sobriety recovery community. You know, I've worked with people who they've had family members, they've had other people who they don't have addiction. They just kind of want anything. They don't want much to do with it. They're kind of like, that's a whole someone else's thing. But you decided to actually get more involved into it and actually put yourself in that community and within that area which doesn't happen that often either yeah I mean I kind of just decided that I wanted my lifestyle to be highlighted I wanted to show people that there are people that have used things and become sober and then there's people like me that have just chosen sobriety from a young age and I know that we were talking about this before the podcast started I've had people attack me for saying that I'm sober because I didn't become sober and I like to tell them well you're right I didn't become sober but if you look up sober it means abstaining from alcohol or the absence the absence of alcohol which is what I am I don't use I've never used so it can actually be um it can be an adjective or it can be a verb and I use it as an adjective to describe myself and it's also a noun because technically I'm a sober person so um yeah so I just I don't let people's opinions affect me I just live my life and I'd like to connect with other people that are like myself because it is kind of rare to speak up about this um, lifestyle. And like I said, I just want to bring it to light. And that's what I'm trying to do with my clothing company and my, you know, tag the cyber raver. Have you ever had people who they, they weren't even like, you know, using drugs or they, they were maybe social users and they've talked about, being sober or getting sober, even though they don't have an addiction, but just people who suddenly, you know, decide they don't want to drink as much anymore. They think that drinking is, you know, it's maybe become too much. They just, maybe they've outgrown it. But I think that's another area where your story is valuable. And there are people who use alcohol who might just want to stop and they might want to get sober, but it doesn't mean that they're in recovery. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's what we need to talk about is there's different types of sober. Um, So there's the kind that obviously you struggle with addiction, like heavily, and you've become sober in your recovery. Then there's people that just said, Hey, I don't want to drink anymore. I just want to stop. And that's technically sober. And then you have people like me that have never done it. So there's definitely different categories of it. I've met a lot of people um, throughout my life. Cause like I said, I went to a party school. I've met a lot of people from my party school that just decided they are done with that phase in their life. And they just want to stop drinking now. And it's awesome. It's in a, And it's really awesome to hear people say that, you know, I've helped inspire them wanting to stop. I'm just like, I can't take credit for that, but that's extremely kind of you to say that. So, you know, that makes it worth it enough um, to be able to do what I'm doing is having people say those kind of things, because if I can help one person, then that's already more than I even thought I ever could help, you know. It is a challenge. It's a different challenge that, you know, facing that when you are, because I guess part of me 
wants to know, do you believe when people say, well, everyone drinks when they're young? That's just a thing that everyone does or everyone experiments with with drugs. Like that's just something that teens do or that young adults do. But that's not the truth. And you're you're a, you're a living example of that. Yeah, no, I think it's just society, you know, everyone expects you to do this or have done that. Like, I've literally met people, I've told people like, hey, you know, I've never done that, actually. And they're like, there's no way like, there's just no way possible. What? Like, they're so mind blown. And I'm like, it's possible. I promise I've just never been interested in it. And it's just crazy, because it really is such a norm. And I like to always say that I go against the norms and just show people that there's another way of living out there and you're so capable of it. Even if you do use substances now, you're capable of getting to this point because you're worth it. I mean, think about it. You save so much money. I've never had to buy a drink in my life. I've gotten offered drinks from people, but I've never bought any. Uh, drugs are expensive, like substances, you know, like so much money goes into that stuff. I mean, a lot of my friends still do things and I'm just like, you spend so much money. You could go you know, invest in yourself in different ways with that. Like, I just, I don't know. It's crazy. So, I mean, if anything, you can save a lot of money, guys. <laughs> <laughs> even, even like casual, like even I, I, people that I work with or talk with who are just casual drinkers, even that's costly. But then you look at the other side of like an addiction, you know, some people I've worked with have had hundreds of dollars a day problems. And then not only that, but the problems caused by that is often more costly. You know, when I work with people who have, you know, DUIs and they're court ordered, it's not just the amount that they spend on alcohol, but it's the the fees they're now paying, the the court they have to go to, the insurance they have to get to be able to drive a, the car again. So yeah. it, it's it, it costs money just to even have it as a social casual thing. Alcohol and drugs, that's a financial decision too. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's crazy because I've met so many people that are just in debt from, from doing that kind of thing. And it's sad. And that's why I just try to talk with them. And I'm like, is it really worth it? Like, is it really putting yourself in that situation and continue to go on this path? And that's why I try to show people that there's other ways to get high on life. Like music for me is my outlet. That is what I choose to get high on fitness as an outlet, yoga, whatever it is. These things can give you the same uh, feel good chemicals that substances can. And a lot of people just don't believe me, but they need to just try it. It's because they feel like they have to rely on things. And I know that they claim things enhance those amazing things, but you don't need it. It's not necessary. And music for you is, is the drug. And that's the, you're the founder of music is the drug. And where, tell me about like, where did all that begin and, and where are you going with that? Because that's a very interesting thing that I've been seeing in your clothing brand and all that. So what's, where'd that all come from? So I've always wanted to start my own company. And back in the day, I wasn't really sure. So I have a fashion degree from Radford and a minor in marketing. So I always was interested in fashion. Um, and I worked in boutiques like all my life. I did retail. And then one day I was just working and I was like, I really want to start my own company. I don't know what I want it to be about. Like at first I wanted to be like a faith-based company because I'm a Christian. Then I was thinking... And mm, I don't know, maybe something else. And then it just hit me. I was like, music is my favorite thing in the world. It'd be so awesome if I could show people the power that music has alone and just put it out there. And I decided that I wanted to start a company that was going to show people that music can get you high. So it took me a while to figure out the name, but I finally was like, music is a drug. 
And I started it in, I technically got my business license in January of 2018, but it, the company started on March 1st, 2018. And ever since I've been going to festivals around the country, around the world, and just spreading the good vibes and showing people that music is literally magical and can help heal and restore good vibes. And it's just, you know, and, and everyone can, it's a mutual understanding. Everyone can connect through that. And when we're at these festivals, that's what I want people to focus on is the music and the good vibes, not just the drugs. That's not what it's all about. And if you're just there for that, then you probably shouldn't be there to be honest with you. <laughs> and but. you're in the, the, your website, you, you, you share your whole story. So I, I really encourage listeners to go there and, and read your story and the merchandise you, you just updated it. I saw you had some pride stuff that was released. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, music is a drug. Music is, music is the drug um, is very just non-gentle, non-judgmental all around. Um, so it supports any religion, um, any sex, you know, whatever you believe in anything. It's, it's just the most non-judgmental company ever. So a lot of people think it's a sober brand, but it's not. It's just a brand to show people that with or without substances, music is a drug. Um, and that there's other drugs too. Like I have a pasta is the drug shirt because I love pasta. Yeah. Um, and I'm about to launch a fitness is the drug shirt because that's also a major high that you can enjoy. And I mean, I know after a good workout, I feel those the serotonin and all that good stuff. And that's just what I try to show people. And I want people to feel accepted and loved through my company. That's the main goal. In music, I, I really want to talk to you about this because I think as someone who, you know, I've worked in treatment programs and, you know, working with, with people as a, as a counselor and therapist. And I always think that music sort of gets like a bad rap when it comes to people like all of a sudden getting in recovery, because a lot of the messages is like, you know, the, the places that you go, the people that you hang out with, you have to give up your old lifestyle. If you're listening to rock and roll music, that's talking about drugs or you're listening to hip hop or something like that. And from the professionals, a lot of it is saying you've got to give up that old part of your life. You have to, you can't go to those places because those are high risk and you can't maintain your sobriety if you go to those. So I'm going to ask you, like, does it have to be that way? Do I have to tell someone that loves music that they can't listen to it anymore because it talks about drugs? Like where, how does that fit in? So that's, that's, that's actually a really good question. And I've had a few people ask me that before. Um, I think it's all subjective because everyone has their own struggles. Like if you're easily triggered by that kind of music, if, if you really think that's going to launch you back into that spiral of just addiction, I absolutely wouldn't listen to that stuff. But if you feel like you can listen to it, I don't see why it's a problem. I mean, obviously listen to what you love. Music is healing enough, but maybe you should just try a different type of music. For me personally, you know, I love punk rock and pop punk bands are my kind of, they're my favorite kind. And they do talk about drug use and uh, like not loving God. And sometimes it's hard to listen to, but I just sometimes ignore the words and listen to the melody because it's a good melody and it's a good vibe. And that doesn't mean I have to like the lyrics, but I think that if you like a band enough, then it shouldn't stop you. But at the same time, like I said, if it is triggering, I would stay away from it, which that actually brings me to another topic, which is similar. Um, people also think that 
you can't go to raves because there's drug usage around. Yeah. I mean, I think if you are easily triggered by seeing people do things, then maybe you shouldn't go to a festival because there are people doing drugs everywhere. Um, obviously not like out in the open, but if you're in a crowd, you're going to see people snorting stuff. Um, but if you're, if you have gotten to that point where you think you can overcome that now, then I don't see a problem with it. And that's why I try to show people that sober raving is possible. And to be honest with you, I don't really pay attention to it. I'm focused on the music. That's why I'm there. No, I'm going to ask you if you see, cause you've been to, I'm going to just guess that you've been to way more concerts than I have, <laughs> but I have seen some venues actually have designated areas for, for like sobriety or no drinking. It's not like everywhere. It's not like the, the largest part of the area, but have you seen any of efforts like that or areas where like there's been like a no drinking in, in this area or anything like that? Um, not a specific area, but I've seen groups and I've seen tables that are set up for that. Like there's a section, actually, you're right. There's a section at, um, I think it was ultra music festival. It was like called consciousness, I believe, or something like that. And it's a sober community. Um, I think my friend Pat, who's on my Instagram, I think he's a part of that. And yeah, that's a completely sober area that you can feel safe in. And there's also another group called Rave Sober that goes to festivals and tries to connect with people in the sober community so they don't feel alone or feel like they need to just be surrounded by that. So I think that's really important. And I always said that I wanted, last year I was saying that I wanted to start groups uh, for music as a drug to just, you know, have people kind of connect. You don't have to be sober, but just to like hang out and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important to, you know, make sober people feel welcome because I mean, to be honest, festivals are 95% drug usage. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that way. I mean, there's always the 5% of us out there that are sober. And, you know, for me, I tell people, if you ever need someone to talk to or come rave with, I'm here, just message me on Instagram. So I've also seen the concert music venue industry as being one of the leaders in like harm reduction, you know, in a lot of my um, research and reading, I've heard a lot of like grass, like grassroots movements where there's been offering like drug testing kits. They've been offering other resources as like harm reduction. I think I've seen yes. that more in the music industry than probably any other industry that I know of. And they become really big in that. Have you seen that? Yes. Um, I think that's super important. There's a few different you know, companies that have drug testing kits. I know that Dance Safe is one of them. Um, and I've actually looked into possibly getting my own drug testing kits. I don't know if that's going to happen right now, but that's something I have looked into before. But I think it's super important because at least that way you can test your drugs, make sure they're safe. And, you know, if you are going to do them, that's what I always tell people. If you're going to do them, just make sure it's safe because there's been too many people dying from overdoses, whether it be laced with fentanyl or whatever it may be. It's just ridiculous. So as much as we can do to try to help stop that, then that's amazing. And I was reading a lot of stories of even, you know, part of it is getting the venues permission to do it. Sometimes they, they don't want that there. And then I've heard of the creative means of how people have continued to try and do that. But really like that, that scene is amazing when it comes to the attempts to do harm reduction and I wonder why, I wonder where that comes from, you know, where that is, where the music industry has sort of promoted that the most. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, like I said, I, I think it's absolutely amazing that they're wanting to do that. Um, I've been to a ton of festivals, like you, like you were saying, I've been to tons of festivals. 2019, I went to 12 all back to back, just festival after festival after festival. And I think they definitely over the years are trying more and more to stop that. Um, so I think that's amazing. And I don't know, it's probably just because they've seen so many deaths. I mean, there's always, I've been to festivals where there's been like five or more deaths before and it's just so terrible. So um, you know, with the rock scene and the electronic music scene, that's my two scenes that I'm primarily in. I know that they both try really hard to um, help that. And hopefully I can continue to, you know, be a light in that community and just show people that you just need to be safe about it and spread awareness. That's what's important. It's amazing to see. I don't know if you've looked at this too, but it's great to see some of the old rock stars talk more about recovery and talk more about abstinence, like way more than in the past but like you just I'm just after I look at some things or look at some articles and every so often you just hear someone who was you know a rock star in the past who was talking about you know sex drugs rock and roll and now I'm even seeing them talk about like promote recovery and talk about like the dangers of drug use have you noticed that too yeah no it's it's super awesome I mean Travis Barker's sober and Blink-182 is my favorite band. If y'all can see right here, he's sober and that's my favorite band. So I think that's amazing. Uh, Steve-O from, what is it called? Jackass. He's yep. sober. He's sober. Um, so it's, I think it's really awesome um, to be to see these influential people, you know, stand against it and just show that, you know, you don't have to have it. Um, but they're also just loving and they're not like being rude about it. They're just showing that you don't have to have it. And I think Demi Lovato, like she's sober again. She's had a, she's had a long journey with, you know, addiction and relapsing. Um, same with Molly Cyrus. So, you know, celebrities too. I think it's super important that, you know, we look up to them as well because they have such a platform they can use. So I'm definitely proud of people like that, just sharing their truths and also sharing their, um, you know, relapses with the world. They don't have to do that. They don't have to say, well, that happened, but they do. Yeah. And that's inspiring. That's inspiring. Yeah. When Dak Shepard did that podcast one that, that sent sort of shockwaves when he went on and talked about his relapse and shared that was, was one that a lot of credit to him to share that. Cause it didn't sound like it was really planned that way. It just sounds like it sort of happened, but it was a really good moment where people were like, yeah, talking about relapses, it's needed and it's actually, it's okay to do so that those are good stories yeah. to hear. No, definitely. It's definitely heartwarming. And I know it helps a lot of people out there because they, like I said, they have such a reach and people look up to them. So I bet they've helped so many people get sober. I forgot who it was, but there was some rock star that, that had a quote that I thought was awesome is he said, I'd rather be the uncool guy than the dead guy. And I was like, that's pretty cool to say, you know, but but his idea of like, I'm not cool because I don't use anymore, but he, you know, recognizing that, yeah, I don't want to be the, try and be the cool guy and end up dead. I'm actually going to look up, you said then the dead guy. Yeah. Let's see who that is. I've actually heard that quote too. And like I said, you know, those kind of things stick with people. Uh, nope. Can't find it. <laughs> you have to look that one up for me. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of awesome people that have just changed their whole lives and it's super inspiring for me especially like being in the rock community it's just cool to be able to see rock stars change their whole lifestyles around and that that's another area i'm very i, I want to know your thoughts on this i've had 
I've had people who were musicians that were bartenders that were DJs. I remember I had a guy who was a DJ and he was more in like this uh, Milwaukee, Chicago area where he would perform, but he came and saw me because he had his third DUI. So I get a lot of referrals through the courts for that. And I remember, you know, he, he just didn't think that he could keep being a DJ and not drink because people are going to buy you shots or like part of the, the, you know, you're going to get offered it and it's, it's right there in your, your face and all that. And he was, you know, telling me he was struggling because he doesn't want to give up, you know, being a DJ. So when I look at areas where there's known to be, you know, like higher rates of alcohol and drug use, like musicians, you know, bartenders, you know, the, the, um, you know, restaurant business and other areas, you know, can people, be sober and work a recovery program in those environments? Or do I got to tell him, Hey, you got to give up DJ if you want to keep living or else it's just not going to work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, it's actually crazy. My favorite DJ of all time, Elenium, uh, his name is Nick Miller. He actually was struggling with heroin. Um, he struggled with a lot of different things and he became sober and he is one of the most Influential DJ is in the scene right now. I'm actually going to be seeing him next month. I've seen him 16 times. Absolutely obsessed with him. And he talks about um, recovery, like not directly, but indirectly in some of his songs. So I think that you can turn it around to that. Like if you um, are sober and you're a DJ, yeah, you don't have to let people influence you. You don't have to let the pressure get to you. You have to just find that inner strength within to say no and keep doing what you're doing. Because like I said, he is in a huge industry like he's one of the biggest djs right now up on the rise and i'm sure that people are constantly trying to get him to do things but with his influence too he can say no and he can say i'm sober i've you know been down this path and i actually had the opportunity to meet him and give him a music as a drug shirt awesome um his mom reached out to me and told him he loved the brand um because she obviously was there for him through his addiction and recovery and she bought a jacket too so that was really cool um but yeah, I mean, it's really sad to see that kind of thing because Avicii, I don't know if you know his story, but he was an alcoholic and people would continue to try to get him to drink all the time and he would just drink himself to death and eventually he died. And I mean, he had like something wrong with his pancreas, probably from alcohol. Yeah, probably so, no doubt about that. You know, it really, yeah, it can get bad. Um, so you just have to really be strong. Like you have to just find that inner strength and have good support systems and have people that support you and don't encourage you to do things. Because I always tell people and people always ask me, like, I literally had somebody ask me last week. They were like, what do I do now that I'm sober? And like all my friends drink. And I'm like, well, you have two choices. They can either support you and not encourage you to do it. And if they continue to encourage you to do it, it's time to drop them. I don't care if you've been friends with them since childhood. Those are not your friends. If they're trying to still make you do something that was not good for you. Yeah, there was um, one of the things that just stands out. And it's like, it's kind of sad to like, look at, but the, like the DJ thing, you know, someone believing they can't be a DJ, like they have to, to drink or like that drinking has to be a part of it. It's just sad that like, when you see alcohol and drugs take over, like that idea of being a DJ, when being a DJ has nothing to do with alcohol and drugs, like that. Right. It doesn't have to be that way, but sometimes it gets so attached to it, like too much where people think they can't do those things. They can't be in those, you know, professions or enjoy those activities without doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, the EDM scene in general, people, when they hear EDM, they think of drugs. And that's what I'm trying to break is that stigma that it's just all about drugs because it's not. And there's a lot of sober DJs out there and a lot of them are being more vocal about it. Um, there's a lot in that scene with Illinium, actually. There's a guy named William Black who's sober. Um, who else? Steve Aoki, he's sober. He's one of the biggest DJs ever. And I mean, that's proof right there that you don't have to do it. Yes, it is everywhere. But that is because people choose to do it. They don't have to do it. Yes, there's people that pressure other people and you just have to say no. Unfortunately, in that scene, a lot of people expect you to do those kind of things to, you know, get to places like, oh, if you don't drink with us or do these drugs, like you're not cool. Like, and that's just not okay. But you know what? You don't need those people in your life. And again, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. Like, I'm not ever going to do anything to try to make somebody like me more. If you don't respect me for who I am, then you don't deserve to be in my life. And I think that everyone should apply that to their lives. And in my line of work, I see those those people will follow your your coattail when you do really well, but when you struggle or you're in a really rough spot, they're they're not always there, you know. So they they might push you to think that that's what you need to do, but in the end, when that doesn't work, they're not there like picking up the pieces. They're not they're right. not there sitting in a, a jail cell with you or in the the hospital room after an overdose, but they definitely want to be with you if you are, you know, at a festival or you're, you're making your way up and it's hard to see that. It's not easy to recognize that right away because sometimes you, I mean, we're human, we have connection. We want, we want that, but it, it can be very misleading. And it's, it's sad when all of a sudden someone sees that. Yeah, it is actually super sad. I've seen it so much over the past few years, just people doing things to try to fit in because they feel like they have to do it to be social. They feel like they have to do it to just please other people. And, you know, I've always considered myself like kind of a people pleaser, but I've broke it up, broke out of that in the past few years because I don't try to please anybody. If you don't like, like I said, if you don't like me, I really do not give a crap because I'm 100 myself and I will never do anything to try to make people like me like if you do great if you don't doesn't bother me um thanks for pushing me to just keep doing what I'm doing even more but that's why I try to show people that you just have to be yourself and not try to be there for others like I went to Radford University which is a party school and constantly I was just seeing people you know haze people at fraternities and just treat people bad and people just felt like they had to drink themselves to death because of the reputation that Radford has it's like oh if you don't drink why are you here it's like I mean I would get so many things it's like oh well where's your red cup and it's just like it's just crazy I guess I just have a different mindset than a lot of the world but that's why I try to share it with people and try to help them uh, you know, possibly change their mind instead. Yeah, I think that that wasn't easy. It wasn't just like a simple thing. I'm sure there's a lot of challenges with that. And there's a lot of times where you may have, you know, wondered how is I going to keep doing this? Or like, how are people going to to do all that at, at a young age? But yes, it. I, I think it's, you know, you learn to do that at a very young age, which helped you to continue to do that versus people that I work with who, alcohol and drugs have become so much a part of their life when they get older. And then when I'm working with them on trying to address that, and now they're like, you know, in their thirties, they're in their forties. I have people who are in their fifties, sixties, who are still caught up in that. It's very hard to like go back and be like, stay true to who you are because they become so lost right. in all those years. 
because you know alcohol and drugs usually doesn't lead you to finding yourself i I always usually say it leads you to getting further lost right yeah no absolutely and that's something that you know i don't understand because i didn't struggle and i didn't have drugs in my life at all and i did choose sobriety at a young age so i think that people that are older i think them for for them to be able to stop doing things that they've done all their life. I think that's so amazing and so inspiring. And there's some people on my Instagram right now that follow me that have become sober in their, you know, fifties and sixties. And I just think that's so amazing because they literally stopped what they've been doing their whole lives. They've probably been drinking and smoking since they were teenagers because at that age, it's like they started early probably. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, again, um, having a good, strong support system, no matter what age that is key. That is so key. I've had to drop so many people in my life that, you know, I had friends in college that wanted me to drink with them and I wouldn't. So they literally just stopped being my friends. And I'm like, well, you never were friends to start with. So it's just so crucial to have that because if you have people that are going to influence you to do other things, then it's just going to keep being that way. So that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is for anybody. I said advice is advice for anybody out there. Um, just have a good support system and, and know who your real friends are. Underline bold, real friends, because yeah. there's people that you might think are your friends that aren't at all. Like you said, there's people that want to party with you. And then when you're suffering the consequences that are just not there for you, that's not a friend. Yeah. So Too many of those to stories. Curb. Yeah. I know like, <laughs> People tell me like everyone that was with them and then all of a sudden they go to jail and they ain't right. getting any visitors, they ain't getting any phone calls, they're not getting anyone putting money on their books. They wanted to do a bunch of that stuff. But when, you know, when things fall and things get hard, you know, where are those people? And the support people, those are the ones who are there. You know, that's that's a way to know who is your support when things do get tougher, when you do do things that are against the grain. They're the ones supporting you and encouraging you, not trying to second guess you or to place doubt in your mind. You know, it's those are people that are the support. Yeah, no, it's, it's super important. I, I have a, just a solid group of friends now that love and respect me, my lifestyle. They would never try to get me to do anything. I have a loving boyfriend. Um, that's that's a whole other subject. Having a healthy relationship outside of your friendships because there's so many people that are stuck in whether it be emotionally abusive or physically abusive relationships with people and they involve drugs and alcohol. And sometimes people just don't know how to get out of it. I mean, I was in a not abusive relationship last year, but I was in a toxic relationship with somebody that didn't value me and tried to say that my sobriety wasn't my identity. It didn't really matter that much. And, you know, you don't need people like that in your life. If you have that in your life, it's going to affect your whole life, your mental health and everything. I mean, I lost like 12 pounds last year, just dealing with that stress. And now I'm in a healthy relationship with somebody that respects me, respects my lifestyle and um, loves me for who I am. And that's what you have to have. And it took me a long time to realize that, but all the pain that we go through just makes it strong and wiser. And, and you had to go through those too, you know, like relationships that you thought maybe were, were good ones or friends and to realize that they're not friends or people that you thought were going to be with you and support you ended up, not doing that so you had to go through cutting people off or no longer being friends with people just like some people who in, when they work recovery they have to make those choices you had to as well just to keep your sobriety going yeah even at a young age I mean in high school you know I found I found a picture of my senior class yesterday and I'm like all these people are fake all these people judged me 
uh you know i would go to parties and people be like oh she's a sober girl like you know i would get judged constantly i went to beach week with the group that some of them were cool but some of them were just like judgmental towards me and were like oh she's just the sober girl she thinks she's better like you know all this stuff and i realize now that those people made me stronger and look at me now like you know i've used my platform to try to help other people so they're the ones that are they can sit back and watch that now thanks for that guys thank you shout out to (laughs) y'all The um, one thing I was wanting to know, too, is there's some people who think, you know, like in in art and in music, I think those two stand out where some people think that they're better when they're using they're better musicians when they're high or they're better artists when they are drinking or, or taking something. And I, I had a guy who was a musician and he played drums for some bands and he traveled the world on touring and he always thought that like he was better and he's been sober now for like i think eight years and he tells me he's watched some of his old performances and he goes that was terrible i couldn't (laughs) i was a horrible musician have you found at all or, or kind of run in circles where people thought maybe they were better at what they were doing by being under the influence and realizing like, that's not the case. (laughs) Um, I've met people that still to this day claim they're better, but then I've also met people that did use and are now sober and they're so happy that they did become sober. I have a lot of friends that are in the rock industry um, that play in bands that become sober and they're like, I can just think way more clearly and I know what I'm doing. I'm not on stage looking like an idiot. Like, like they would say like they would be high on stage and then they couldn't even remember the notes sometimes so yeah I mean you know there's still going to be always the people out there that are like well if you're under something you just play better but then there are people out there that know that you know having a clear mind is probably the best choice you don't want to mess up on stage it's pretty embarrassing do you think with your music is the drug and it's definitely your drug that you talk about a lot I find it hard to believe that you can really like feel it when you are also now using a substance that is like numbing or it's dulling like how much do you really feel the music when you are you know potentially so intoxicated like yeah (laughs) can you truly really experience it in the way that you talk about it Yeah. So, you know, I've never been drunk or high on drugs or substances, so I can't say how that is, but I just know that when I hear my favorite song come on or a song that I love, I literally get this just rush of adrenaline through my body and I get chill bumps. And that's just how I know that it's such a special song. And it's literally like, I feel high. I mean, if I'm having a bad day or something, I just put on feel good music and it seriously changes, helps change my whole mood. I mean, obviously we're in control of ourselves Um, which is one thing people should realize is we are in control, but music truly just helps change the mood and change the ambiance. And it's just, it's amazing. And obviously, you know, there are drugs out there that do kind of make people disassociate from themselves or get lost. And I don't know how that is. And, um, you know, sometimes people say it helps, but you know, does it really, or is it just kind of an escape? I don't know. Part of me things like when you say that adrenaline, like I know some people will use like stimulants you know, like cocaine or something to really feel that rush, that adrenaline. But if you're doing that and your system is being 
you know, wired differently now because there's a substance going in there that's causing this, you know, biological, you know, reaction, how much is your body naturally being able to do that? Right. Yeah. Cocaine I've heard is a hell of a drug. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I know that that like helps pe keep people awake. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I just can't imagine because I've never used anything. I can't imagine what it would be like to be on anything. And that's what a lot of people want to say to me is, well, you don't know what it's like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I don't need to know what it's like because I seriously get high on it's just not the music a bad alone. thing <laughs> yeah it's like it's not like why are you judging me for not trying anything like why is that a problem to you how is that affecting your life how is that a problem but i feel I, I know that a lot of people just they don't understand it so they just want to hate on it you know i've realized that they're like well we're not gonna we don't understand that so we're just gonna hate on it and i don't hate on people for using drugs so i just the only thing i hate on is when people are obviously trying to kill people and lacing drugs with fentanyl and things like that, with that's messed up, or they're trying to peer pressure people, or they're doing super bad drugs like heroin. And like, I mean, that's just not okay. I mean, obviously I want people to be okay and they're still loved, but those are just super bad and they can kill you. You know, that's I think a it fine line yeah. between heroin and weed. So, and I, I think mean, there's a, line. and I think there's just a big thing too, with like, you know, that stuff happens and then that music and festivals and stuff do get like that bad reputation that like oh it's just a bunch of druggies or just a bunch of all this and it takes away from like the music which is what it's about and what it's supposed to be about and it takes away from like some of the great stuff because music is something that everyone you know no matter where you're from what you do like music is something that you know, speaks to all of us. And it's a strength for a lot of people. And yet here we are sometimes attaching like negativity to it or that it's mm -hmm. bad, but there's not many things, you know, like art and music are, are things that across cultures, ages, you know, geographic locations, it's something that all of us can relate to. We've all used it for something. We don't need to attach something really negative to it. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's music out there that's not good and it's very judgmental and spreads hate. So, you know, not all music is good, but for the most part, I would like to think that, you know, music in general is healing and it's, yes, it's a universal language that all of us can, you know, connect through. And that's what my brand is all about is connecting everybody through the power of music, whether you're sober or not. So that's the non-judgmental part of my brand is, you know, it's not exclusive just to sobriety. And I think a lot of people respect that because there are just primarily a lot of, I mean, there's some straight edge companies out there that are very judgmental and just are like, screw you if you do drugs or blah, blah, blah. And like, that's not the message we need to put out there. We need to say, Hey, you're loved no matter what. And just realize that you don't have to use anything to be amazing. That's the message we need to get out there. I like, it's kind of your messages, meeting people with where they're at, whether they're sober and they've always been sober, whether they're not sober or whether they're in the worst of the worst. It sounds like your message, the purpose of it and the availability of it is to meet anyone, no matter where they are. You're not looking at it like, well, yes. my message doesn't fit for you because you're still using or my message doesn't work for you because you don't have an addiction your message 
from what it sounds like, it meets everyone where they're at, no matter who they are. Yes. And I think that's just super important because again, you know, straight edge culture can be seen in a negative light. And that's another stigma I want to break. Not everybody that's considered straight edge is like that. Not everybody's judgmental like that. And, um, you know, I just don't really, like, I, I can understand why people hate the drugs because they've, some people have used drugs that have literally wrecked their lives and now they're sober and they're like, screw that drug. But you can't have that attitude, like with everybody's situation. Like, it's just, it's just a negative thing. And it's just a negative message. And I just want to put a positive message out there because people are going to respond to that way way better if you're putting negative energy out there so you just should say yeah you know those drugs they're not great um but if you use them be safe um you've got this like just know that you're amazing with or without them um but just also realize you never have to use them like i'm you know i have a struggle with addiction like i'm talking from their point of view i've struggled with addiction and now i'm sober i know you can do it too so you just have to like get to their level and be understanding you can't just be so hateful with things because people don't like that the the other thing is you so the music's a big thing for you your, your clothing brand and stuff that you're doing with that you also have you know quite a bit of like a social media presence and there's a whole tons of topics in relation to challenges with social media and impact of that i know the other day you posted something about like positivity and i even commented like let's talk about that how with all the stuff that's going on and even with what you're trying to do, but what you see other people trying to do, how does like one really begin to manage like those challenges with social media, then in combination with things like mental health and with sobriety, because those aren't things that when I first started doing this, you know, over 17 years ago, that wasn't a thing. (laughs) And, And now that is such a big part of everyday life what's your you know feedback or advice on how to manage that so you mean just like growing a social media presence or just like being able to manage the stuff that comes with having social media when you're trying to promote things like sobriety or people are trying to talk about mental health or recovery and we all want to think it's going to be great things and and positive Mm -hmm. messages but we know like there's some downsides to it we know that there can be too much of it like how do you manage that to keep your sanity (laughs) safe (laughs) right well you know I have always known that choosing my lifestyle would come with challenges um, because there's always gonna be people that hate so you know every day not every day but every other day I deal with somebody that's trying to be negative on my page and say oh, sobriety's stupid or uh, you're fake or, you know, I'm a model too. So I get people trying to hate on me for being a model saying I need to eat a cheeseburger or somebody told me I was anorexic two days ago. So there's always going to be hate on there. As you're crushing Um, pasta, like all the time. (laughs) Yeah. As I just inhaled a whole bowl of spaghetti, but thanks for saying that. You're right. I didn't eat a cheeseburger, spaghetti. Anyways. um, So I think that it's just important to like, again, just have like people in your life that are going to uplift you and support you like positive energy. Um, You know, there's a lot of quotes on Instagram that are positive and I post those a lot so people can see them and people have told me, Oh, thanks for posting. I needed to see that today. Um, So I try to keep my page super positive and uplifting. And I even had somebody tell me yesterday that seeing a video of mine helped save their life. I was like, I can't take credit for that. Like, that's crazy. I was on TikTok and, you know, stuff like that is just, 
like that makes me feel so good about what I'm doing because I just try to be myself and that's like try like that's able to help people. So I don't let the negative energy um, get me down because I know that there's there are people out there that you know are appreciating what I do. And so if you're out there trying to start a social media page, um, just don't worry about people. There's always going to be haters, no matter what, no matter if you're doing super good things. There's always going to be somebody that's intimidated or jealous. Listen, you just have to remember that those people have hate within themselves and they obviously don't like themselves. It's called projection and they're projecting their hate for themselves onto you. Um, so just brush it off and keep going. I think, you know, tying it to like music is that you try and make the positivity have the louder voice in it. And that's sometimes different because one of the things is sometimes negativity gets more of the attention because it's louder and it, it gets more of that. But you sort of talk about making sure that that doesn't happen, that if you get this, this negative comment or some negative thing, you're going to want to make sure that like something that's you know really positive or something that's really great, you want that to get more of the attention. Let, let that speak more for itself than giving any of that noise to the negativity. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes um, I, there's been, there's been times where I've actually addressed the negative comments I've gotten. I addressed one on my story one time, then the next day I had fake accounts made of me. So sometimes you just need to ignore things and block things. Cause there's, if you just keep agging at something, I mean, I wasn't even trying to instigate. I was just like, don't be like this person. Clearly they're hurting. And cause I just wanted to show people that I don't let people, those things get to me, but clearly that irritated that person. They continued to make fake accounts to me, which was really hard. I, was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have struggles. That was super hard on my mental health because they made like 12 fake accounts of me. They were harassing my ex-boyfriend that I didn't get along with. They were trying to talk to my friends. Like it was super ugly. So I've learned from that experience and that I just am not going to even entertain those people. I'm just going to block them and keep going. Yeah. That's tough though. Cause it's, it's, it's natural to want to like defend yourself to right. like, to say something but it's really hard and sometimes like you said it doesn't no matter what you do that might not even change what these individuals think or what they like they're just going to be stuck in that and put more energy into that isn't going to yield any better results for you they're always going to do it no matter what you do now no matter if you block them no matter if you do address it they're always going to be like that and they have to want to change themselves you know it's not our place to be like hey that's rude like don't do that so whenever i see negative stuff i literally just push the block, block button immediately um but they're you know on tiktok it's interesting it's kind of funny because people can comment something negative and you can actually reply to their comment with a video so i think that's kind of funny sometimes on there when people do that and i wouldn't be opposed to doing that kind of thing because on tiktok it's kind of harder to make fake accounts. I don't know. That's interesting. So I don't know. It's whatever you really want to do. <laughs> I imagine you're having the the music as the drug, you know, with, I'm, I'm sure social media has also helped you to, to get that out there and to reach areas you never even knew of with that. So it does help to get that out there and to share your message, share the positivity you know, promote it. So we don't want to just look at it as like, it's, it's a bad thing and that's not good for you. It can do good things. You just have to be the one that utilizes it that way. And it sounds like you've learned that and keep doing that. Yeah. Music is drug is super positive. And like I said, it's non-judgmental. So if anyone ever like hates on it, that's just on them. And I just keep going because I know that it's a good thing. 
social yeah. media can be definitely a good thing if you use it the right way. Yeah, it's it's been like I said from the beginning of this and learning about you and, and talking with you here and there and following your stuff, reading your story. It's amazing to hear of all the different aspects of it that we don't talk enough about. It, it goes ignored. Other things get more of the spotlight, the attention. And I think from what we've talked about, what you share with me, there's just a lot of valuable things that can be taken away for really a wide range of people. We're talking about people who haven't even made that decision yet to use, and they might be thinking about that, or they might face that. Talking about people who may be using, even like socially, we might talk about people who have addiction or people who are in recovery and part of your message, part of what you're trying to do and part of your story brings value to like all of those areas. And I just don't think we do enough of that. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, Yes. Like I said, I just try to bring light to this community of people like myself that are just natural sober ravers, sober concert goers, sober, sober people in general. I mean, there's all types of sober people. There's people that do go out, they're extroverted like myself, and there's people that just choose to stay inside and be introverts. And that's totally fine. Everyone's different. I just try to show people that you can be extroverted and sober and can have a wonderful life. And like, I, I was with my friend yesterday and she was like, yeah, this one girl told me, or she asked me how I was able to hang out with you because you're sober. And I was just like, that is so wild. Like, really? Like, that's crazy. Like she literally, the same girl follows me on Instagram and I'm just like, she sees me going to festivals. So that's clearly her being intimidated or not understanding. And then she told me that the girl has used things before. So it makes sense. She might not understand my perspective and that's fine. So just send her good vibes for sure. So before we conclude, I'm going to ask you just a random question. What was the first concert you ever went to Pearl Jam in 2008 I think with my aunt and uncle I had no idea who they were I was like 14 and they were like do you want to go to this concert I was like sure and it was Pearl Jam with Kings of Leon opening they were like not that big at all yeah but now people know them now (laughs) yeah now they're huge and I'm just like well I saw them at the beginning of their career so that's pretty awesome yeah but yeah that was awesome that's a good question to ask. Mine was the Hard Knock Life Tour with like Jay-Z, DMX. Um, oh my gosh. And Method Man was my first concert I ever went to. Oh, that's special that you got to see DMX back then. Yeah, rest, yeah. Rest in peace. I actually got to see him two years ago at Blue Ridge Rock Festival. And I'm just so thankful that I said I got to see him before he passed away. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've listened to him for a very long time. His, his music is... It's fascinating, especially with the challenges he went through. But his a, a lot of things that people don't realize, I think they're seeing it more now, is he has such a strong spiritual connection. He a lot of his music talks about, you know, some of my favorite songs of his are talking about God and he like speaks to God in his songs. And um you see a lot of footage lately with him, and you just notice he prayed a lot with people. You know, almost right. any time that he met with them, like that he did that like all the time. So yeah, it was interesting what a lot of people like saw him as and the struggles that he went through. 
but also not realizing that there was this big piece of him that was had a, such a strong spiritual connection. And some of my favorite songs of his were those types of songs. He's awesome. I mean, honestly, I didn't like know his music extremely well. Obviously, I knew the classics, but he was on stage and he was so he was talking about God on stage and it was just really awesome. And I really enjoyed his performance and I was just heartbroken to hear about his passing, but his legacy is going to live on and you're going to remember those things about him. That's positive. And I think that that needs to be put out there more because people just tend to look at the negatives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I saw, you know, right away happening and, um, sad it, it is. Cause it does. Cause he was upfront a lot about a lot of that stuff. And then there it, yeah. those challenges went back and forth and, you know, it's, those are just a lot of challenges that a lot of people face too, you know, not just him as a, a hip hop artist, but there's a lot of people who went through those similar struggles. You know, they, they struggled, they got better. They made attempts to do this and, you know, his got obviously much more of a spotlight because of who he was, but I think that's the struggle that he realized a lot of people went through tons of people went through. Yeah. And that's important because, you know, celebrities obviously get more heat for doing things because they're in the spotlight, but there's people all the time struggling, every day, but you're never going to know about it because they're not in the spotlight. So we need to stop hating on people and celebrities. Like it's just not right. So the best place for people to connect with you, you have the sober raver on Instagram is your account. And then music is a drug also has their own account. Yes. Music is a drug underscore. Somebody took music is a drug and they never use it. That's fun. Yeah. So you had to add a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> underscore in there little, to get it. Little, little underscore. Yep. Yeah. And uh, your the website music is a drug that us is, is good too. your clothing's on there. Yes. Um, which I, but I also encourage people to look at, to read your story. Cause you do have your story posted on there as well, which was, which was great to read. So uh, Chelsea, thanks again. I really appreciate you joining me. This was a great conversation. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it, learn from it, and realize that this music is a drug is a message for everyone. It meets people where they're at, and you want to do what you can to, to keep doing that for people and helping spread that message. Absolutely. Um, you know, you were asking earlier, I forgot to mention, you know, you asked where I was going to be going with it. Music is the drug. And, you know, last year COVID hit it pretty hard, um, just like all small businesses. But my plan is in the next five years, I really want to get it across the globe any way that I can, um, trying to put my company in festivals and sell it rather than be a festival attendee. I'd rather just, you know, be there spreading good vibes at my booth. So um, be on the lookout in the next few years for my booth at festivals and yeah, check out the website. Music is a drug.us. We have teas, tanks, hoodies, anything you could want. Um, but yeah, feel free to connect with me on Instagram and thank you, Andrew, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Do you see that the, the music is the drug becomes a connection for people at concerts or in areas like do people see that logo and because i i would love to see that build a community because i'm a part of a trail running group for mental health and they're like they have clothing and they have all this type of stuff but if i go do a race halfway across the country and i see that logo 
I know I can go up to that person and be like bigger than the trail and they'll, they'll know exactly what that is. I'm wondering, I'd like to see that happen for music is the drug where anyone that goes to a concert and sees that can walk up to someone and have that sense of community and connection. Yeah. And you know, it's growing more every day. Um, There is a slight, (laughs) so I will say this before I go, there is a slight uh, issue, I guess not really an issue, but bass nectar who is no longer really in the scene um, for other reasons. He had a song called music is the drug. So sometimes people think that the brand is in regards to that. And I will say, you know, I did used to really, say that was cool that the two had that exclusivity exclusivity but now i don't really steer in that direction i'm just like it doesn't really have a lot of relevance the the brand is its own thing but people know this shirt people when they see this they know what it is the font is it's all its own thing so when i see somebody or not when i see somebody when somebody um sees each other yeah at a festival they know exactly what it is um because there's a lot of people that go to festivals and wear them and Y'all can check that out on the page on Instagram. People send in their photos all the time. So if you do ever get anything, definitely send me your content and I'll post it. Um, But it definitely is an amazing feeling to see people wearing it at festivals. And it's just, it's super cool. And like you said, I hope that it continues to grow. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I got to get one now. So when I go out, I can can rock one. So so they're super soft. They're super soft. So (laughs) that's important. So thanks again uh, for joining. I really appreciate it. Everyone check out her website, check out her her Instagram. She's on there and she interacts with people. So, you know, get to know her, get to know her story and watch out for music is the drug. If you see that now, you know what that means and you can connect with someone. So thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. And this is just the spark that's going to continue to start the fire. Thank you for helping me get the message out there. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Bye-bye.